This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. We're live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Great, great. I noticed you got Toronto Maple Leafs on this morning. Buffalo Bills, but you're missing something. No, uh, Alabama's underneath. Alabama's underneath, but you're missing the Toronto Wolfpack, yeah. Ness. Yeah, the Toronto Wolfpack, yeah. <laughs> I just well, want I to announce to all our... Uh, like yeah. we, we have to We have to promo uh, Toronto's... Uh, it's the only team right now sporting a championship belt, as far as I can tell, Ness. Uh, yeah, the they're Toronto going, Wolfpack. They're going, they're going into Tier 2 of rugby. Toronto, interesting story. We won't dwell on it, but we do want to. We'll come back to this story at one point. The Toronto Wolfpack, sort of underneath the radar screen, but they won the English, what is it here? The Kingstone Press League One title. It's a rugby title. Yesterday, they beat the Barrow Raiders, 26-2, I believe, and they had a fantastic season. They ran 18-1-1. They operate out of Lamport Stadium, and I look out the window here, Naz, and it's, it's right across, right across the, street. the street from us. So uh, they've been promoted to the second division in the English Rugby League. And, in fact, the interesting part about this story is the Toronto Wolfpack, they are North America's first transatlantic team. They actually play here and they play in England or over in Great Britain. And uh, they pay, you know, they pay for the teams to come here and they won the title. So congrats to the Toronto Wolfpack. Congratulations. Absolutely fantastic stuff. And uh, at some point in time, we'll follow up with that story. I'd love to interview the owner and uh, tell us the entire Toronto Wolfpack story. Apparently they have a really loyal following. 8,000 people yesterday at Lamport Stadium. It's a huge rugby uh, rugby fandom base in uh, in southern Ontario. So, uh, Toronto Wolfpack, congrats for bringing honor to Toronto. Thank you so much. Anyways, uh, so we got somehow we got to get ourselves some Wolfpack paraphernalia, Naz. Uh, Absolutely. Get ready for next season. Anyways, uh, two uh, two very interesting guests coming up this morning. Give the the listeners, a little roadmap of the show. Uh, shortly after our first break, we'll be talking to Lance Hornby. Lance, of course, is uh, writes for the Toronto Sun and the Post Media Network. He's been following the Toronto Maple Leafs rookie tournament and uh, interesting articles on Nazem Kadri and uh, has been following the Leafs. And uh, hockey's starting to heat up. Naz, I know you've been counting up counting the days till uh, till hockey starts so we're going to we're going to pick up that discussion and at the end of the hour Canada's premier uh voice on baseball in the last generation Bob Elliott and I know Naz you've been chatting with Bob and uh it's going to bring us up to date on all things baseball and he is, there's nobody who knows baseball in this market or in this better country than him, better than sure. Bob Elliott for so sure. We're certainly thrilled about that. But uh, getting into it, Naz, we've had we've had some discussions all, all week about a significant event 
this week that sort of uh, brings a lot of memories home for the two of us. And of course, mm-hmm. we're talking about the 25th anniversary celebrations on the Fan 590, and that of course the Fan 590 debuted on the air. It wasn't fa- it wasn't 590 in those days, but it was. I think, believe it was 1430. 1430. 1430, the old CKFH, uh, which we all grew up and listened to. Uh, but they celebrated the 25th anniversary of all sports radio in Canada. They were the trailblazers in Canada when it came to all sports radio. And they had cause to celebrate that event uh, this week, 25 years. And on behalf of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, I know I speak for you, Naz, and I'll give you an opportunity. Congrats. Congrats to everyone at the Fan 590. It's been an interesting ride. Uh, Naz, you and I have been passionate sports junkies uh, mm-hmm. longer than, uh, than we can remember. And, uh, you know, we've been uh, loyal listeners of the Fan 590 or uh, whatever, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, of all sports radio at, at 1430 as well. And uh, certainly we've listened in for 25 years, and uh, I think uh, – on behalf of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, and Naz, I'll uh, give you the opportunity. Congratulations. Yeah, for sure. They uh, they um, have done a really good job. They they came in in 92 on All Sports Radio, and the Jays and the uh, Leafs were – Jays won the World Series that year, and the Leafs were in the semifinals of the Stanley Cup. So they, they gathered a market pretty quickly and then almost lost it when uh, they were both on strike, Major League Baseball and the NHL, and they had a tough time. But they've done a good job. But, you know, I, I'll go back to the guy that really should get credit as far as I'm concerned. Talk sports radio. To me, it was Dick Beddoes and Hockey Hotline. That's what I Oh, you're going to. back a long way, yeah. Naz. Dick okay. Beddoes. And I used to be, I was a sports junkie myself. And I used to listen to every sports cast right along the radio dial. I used to go up and down the radio dial to hear Jim Hunt, Bill Stevenson, Pat Marsden, all these guys. And it was... You couldn't get enough of it. Now you got, there's lots of it, but you couldn't get enough of it. Yeah, they, and that, that was us back then. Well, it's it's not. It wasn't just us back then. It's us today, isn't it? Yeah, yeah for <laughs> sure. We're back at it. Yeah. We haven't uh, we haven't changed all that much. Naz just gotten a little bit older, a little bit a uh, little bit grayer, and uh, lost a few and gained a few in other places. But uh, yeah, certainly it's 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 what brings us down here every Sunday morning is yeah. is, is that passion for sports and the. Uh, Back in the early 90s, that was what was happening uh, down in the States. Of course, uh, there had been a, a few radio stations down there that had converted to the all-sports format. It was, you know, it's, it's one of those, you know, evolutions in broadcasting. Um, they recognize that there, there is and there always will be a uh, significant uh, market uh, for passionate sports fans who can't get enough. And, uh, you know, they entered that. They took a, you know, you know, to try and do it 24 hours a day, seven days a week and make a business out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure it had its challenges along the way. Um, a lot of people thought it was going to fail. I mean, it almost did, but it, it, it well, carried through. The, the, the reports have it that it almost failed because they, they got off to, uh, I mean, they, they, in one sense, they were fortunate. They got into the Toronto market. Just when the Blue Jays, I mean, they they literally went on the air September 
can't remember the exact date, 5th, 6th, 7th of 1992. Of course, that's the year the Jays won their first World Series title. So that we were in the throes of uh, a significant, I, I don't remember if there was a pennant race that year, if the Blue Jays were so far ahead they didn't have to worry about you know making the playoffs. But, you know, you go on the air and, you know, the first World Series win uh, as uh, as they said, north of the border in that famous call uh, when they beat the Braves. And then the, the Leafs were going through a reju- rejuvenation with the um, – in the Doug Gilmore years. Yeah, that was and, the and Gretzky Pat, year of the high yeah, And so. Pat Burns. And, yeah. So they got in, I guess, fortuitously just at the right time when sports was in the local market here at the top of everybody's agenda. And, of course, that – gave them the opportunity, I presume, to attract more than just the hardcore sports junkies. Because when you get when you get a Toronto team that's competing for a title, uh, then it excites the whole city. Because, you know, quite frankly in Toronto, it's not like we not like when we talked to Eddie Andelman in in, in Boston and you you know you got every single team down there that wins titles mm-hmm. all the time. You know, we, we don't get them that often in Toronto. So when you get them uh, or when you have success, then the entire community gets engaged. And uh, I think that's sort of what happened with the Fan 590. Uh, and I'll call it the Fan 590 for lack of a, a better term because they didn't come on the dial at 590. Um, but it was CKY that used to be on the dial at five nine. Remember before. the old CKY? Jim Hunt was the sports director. Shaky, yeah, yeah. And uh, you bring back fond memories of, of Shaky and, and talking about some of those personalities over the years uh, that that made it so uh, so much fun. You know, I mean, when you talk about sports radio, I mean, people who people who aren't into sports really don't. I don't know if they don't get it. I mean. Uh, you know, um, you know, sport, passionate sports guys like you and I, um, you know, it's just it's part of our, uh, you know, I don't, I, it's part of our DNA almost. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I can't remember a moment in my life when I didn't want to watch sports. I mean, I remember the very, I remember the very first uh, Stanley Cup final game on TV that I watched. I, I still remember uh, the Grey Cup in 1963. When Angelo Mosca took out um, took out Willie Fleming, and I remember talking to, and, and the, one of the great privileges of this show, Naz, is we actually got to talk to Angelo yeah, Mosca about that times, yeah. a couple of times. And uh, I mean, there's so many great sports moments. Uh, and you know, when I read this week that it's been 25 years for uh, for for Fan 590, and 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 it's been 25 years since the Blue Jays won. The World Series and 25 years since those great Toronto Maple Leaf runs, I I say to myself, what happened? Yeah, you got to get the the guy. It that's seems been, like yesterday. The guy that should be given credit for the 25 years is definitely Bob McCown. Bob well, McCown is the best. Nobody close. There's Bob McCown and everybody else. Yeah, let's, that's for sure. Uh, no question about that. And there's there have been some significant talent that's that's gone through uh, that station, um, and. You know, we talked, uh, you know, you bring up Bob McCowan, and, you know, I certainly want to give my thoughts on Bob. Uh, 
One of the great shows, one of the great shows uh, that I uh, listened to quite often was when Marsden was there, and uh, I mean, he uh, he did the show with various people over time. Uh, of course, Don Landry uh, did it with Landry. I don't remember if he did it with Shaky Hunt for a while. I know McCown did McCown it. McCown and Shaky were together. did it for a while. Uh, Marsden was a character. He certainly was. And what's great about guys like McCown and Marsden. Uh, is that they are characters, and I think they understood. Uh, when I use the past tense for Pat Marsden with Bob McCown, I think he understands that uh, they're in the entertainment business, and it's, they're not just there to go up there and tell you the are not an arcane fact or tell you what somebody's batting average is, or you know uh, they understand that in the entertainment business you got to cultivate yourself. And you've got to show some personality, and you've got to be controversial. You've got to give people a reason to listen. Um, and uh, aside from McCowan, I mean, Marsden was a character in a completely different way than McCowan. I mean, I guess the best way of describing Pat Marsden was that uh, uh, they used the word, if there was a word in the, a couple of words in the English dictionary, bon vivant. I mean, he just, he lived on the edge from what I understand. And it came through on the show. And it's always, and you he. You love listening to it. Oh, I love listening to Marsden. And, you know, he had some go-tos with Don Landry. And um, and then Landry, uh, you know, unfortunately, God rest, uh, Pat, rest in peace, please. Uh, Pat, unfortunately, passed away. Um, and then Landry went on and did a, I thought was a great show with, with Gord Stullick. Stullick yeah. and Landry in the morning. Um, some great stuff. But let's let's and, and let's talk about some of the other guys who have gone through. Uh, Dan Schulman, one of, one of the preeminent broadcasters in in sports today, uh, baseball and, and and NCAA basketball. Elliot Friedman, uh, George. Interestingly enough, George Strombolopoulos. Um, I mean, there's there's the list of talent that's gone through that particular um, station and moved on. Um, remarkable. Some Dan remarkably, Schulman, remarkably talented Dan people. Is back, so. Yeah, Dan and Dan Shulman's back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but let's talk about. I want to talk about the guy that has been there since day one, still there. Uh, absolutely no question. Although he is, he's controversial, and some people don't like him. Uh, I'm not saying that from a personal point of view. Some people don't like what he does on the air. Uh, my personal opinion, he has been the greatest sports talk radio personality in Canada, probably in history. Uh, I say that unabashedly. Um, it's, of course, I'm talking to uh, the Bobcat, talking about the Bobcat, Bob McCown. Um, he is a character on the air. And I think, and I listened to his interview this week. Uh, the guys in the morning on on the fan five ninety. Um, unfortunately, I got to be honest with. You, I think it's is it Elliot. Uh, Greg, I can't. Greg Brady. Greg Brady. You know what? My apologies, Elliot Price. Um, uh, Elliot Price. I, I sometimes I can't. I my memory isn't what it used to be. Uh, they interviewed Bob McCown this week about his twenty five years, and 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 Bob, I think, understand. Aside from being highly intelligent. Um. He understands that radio is entertainment and that he's in the entertainment business. And if you have to make a living 
from this business, which fortunately you and I don't have to make a living from this business, Naz, thankfully. Um, if you have to make a living from this business, you have to stick out from the crowd. Uh, and you have to develop a character. Um, and, and I think Bob uh, understands that. And there's no question that he's a character. Uh, the strength of Bob's show, aside from his, um, uh, I can use the word irascibility, uh, you know, he's not, he's, not, he's not scared to ask pointed questions. He's not scared to have strong opinions. He's not scared to have, be negative about, uh, or be critical. It's probably a better way of putting it. Um, and, you know, sometimes he's right and sometimes he's wrong. Uh, and sometimes you get more listeners from when you're wrong than when you're right. Because uh, people want to listen in and they want to correct you or whatever else they want to do. But I've always thought the strength of Bob's show, aside from Bob himself, was the quality of the discussion in certain areas. It's certainly the intelligence of some of the discussions he's had with some of the guests that he's had, I find highly appealing. Uh, I love Bob Ryan, the Boston Globe, uh, the gentleman from Sports Illustrated, Richard Deitch, Deitch uh, the lawyer from New York, Rich Becker, uh, and he keeps bringing them back and back. And you know, and that's, um, you know, I sort of, you know, you know, when we were younger, Naz, you know, s- stats and figures were were more important uh, perhaps than they are now. Stats are still important, but now, you know, if I listen to uh, two intelligent people having an intelligent conversation about a sports topic, I find that highly appealing. And I don't think there's any better place on radio than you will find it than on primetime sports and on Bob McCown show. And the reason why we brought this up, because we, we are in sports talk radio, too. Like, our, our hour is sports talk radio. And it's, uh, I love listening to, to uh, that show. He, he, he's done a terrific job in, in his career, and he knew where to go with it. Yeah, and um, it's funny. They were talking about ratings, they had, when they were down, they were at a 2.1 rating after uh, during the NHL strike and the MLB strike. There's a lot of radio stations that don't even get 2.1 right now. Oh, the, the, the ratings are phenomenal. I remember once, I remember once uh, chatting with Bob McCown one time, brief chat, and uh, I said, Bob, I, I, I love your show. I listen to it, uh, I listen to it every, uh, every afternoon in the car when I'm driving home. Uh, and and he looked at me and he said, he said, buddy, you got to get a life. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 that was just Bob. Yeah, I get. It. I, I'm sure. I'm sure if he did, if he doesn't appreciate it, I'm sure his advertisers appreciate the fact that that I'm, I'm listening in. But most of us, you know, we're not. You know, we're we're driving in the car. Uh, I don't listen to all three hours, you know, from the from from the office home, half an hour or forty five minutes, and uh, listen to it, catch up, and uh, it's been part of my daily routine for longer than I than I can remember. Anyways, well, maybe we'll pick up this conversation, but we do have to go to break, and we'll be back after the break with Lance Hornby. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville brought back the large five topping pizza special for just thirteen ninety nine for a limited time. I'm whispering because the last time Pizzaville brought back this special, there was pandemonium in the streets, pushing, shoving, biting. So order now and order often, and hopefully you won't have any bite marks when this is over. 
Call Pizzaville for the large five-topping pizza special at pound 3636 from your cell phone. Shh. There's an old saying. Entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000 square foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge, the best. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto on the new AM740, and if you're listening in downtown Toronto, we're also on 96.7 FM. Uh, We're trying to connect with Lance Hornby. Uh, We'll keep trying to do that, Uh, try to get Bob Elliott on the phone. Uh, Naz, just before we go to break, we were talking about the 25 years of of, uh, anniversary of of the 24-hour format, uh, Sports Talk Radio in Toronto. And, of course, now that's incarnated as the Fan 590. In the early days, it was... was, uh, it was 1430, which is the old CKFH, which a lot of us grew up on. And uh, hard to believe it's been 25 years. I think back then Foster Hewitt had uh, inclination that this was going to happen though, with sports radio. Maybe not to the extent that it has, but he had an insight on it, believe it or not. Well, Foster see, was the one who brought uh, Dick Beddows into the fold. Talk a, let's talk a little bit about Dick Beddows. And we were talking about him earlier, Naz, and um, you you had reminded me how influential that he uh, – I'd, I'd sort of forgotten quite a bit about the influence he had back in the 70s and some of the things that he did. And, um, you know, he was uh, – was, what was the old show, Hockey Hotline? Hockey Hotline. Uh, your, your, your memories of that one, Naz. I used to listen to it all the time. What was uh, hockey hotline was on after after Leaf broadcast? No, it was on before. It was on before. Okay, and uh, and and it had a time slot. Yeah, that was uh, certainly, uh, and we'll we'll get back to that conversation. We're pleased to uh, tell our listeners that we do have on the line uh, Bob Elliott. Uh, Bob, of course, requires very little introduction, so I won't do it. Uh, he's a member of too many Hall of Fames. 
that I want to report it here, but I just will remind listeners that he has been the preeminent Canadian baseball voice of a Hello. of our generation. Good morning, Bob. How are you, Bob? Oh, did we lose him? Hello, Bob. Yes, sir. Oh, good morning, Bob. How are I you this morning? Thank, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Uh, just uh, reminding our listeners that uh, you have been the most important or one of the most important voices in baseball for a generation. We're so pleased to have you again on our show. Thank you so much. Thanks very much. Uh, Bob, the Jays have not had the year that uh, I don't know whether we would have expected or uh, w- whether we would have liked. Uh, your assessment of the Jays' season, um, what went wrong, and what perhaps changes you envision for next year? Well, I think the what went wrong part is easier. Okay. <laughs> uh, I think what went wrong is, uh, you know, they've had uh, too many injuries, uh, you know, this too many guys working out over 30 years of age, working out twice a day, January and February, and uh, when they were in Dunedin. Uh, and uh, they've, they've had, uh, like, the shortstop in the second and the third baseman. They lost both of those guys for mega amounts of time. Um, they've, they've just, uh, they just really haven't been able to... Uh, put the the team they envisioned you know they put up on the um, on the on the blackboard in the winter and during the meetings they haven't been able to put it on the field uh often enough you know bob the the team looks too slow and too old how do you correct that and now having said that there's two prospects in play uh, bachette and guerrero where do they stand in this whole rebuild well, they they play big roles, but they're uh, that's too much I think to ask. You see guys you see guys with other teams making the jump from uh, from class A to the big leagues. Um but but they're usually pitchers, you know. It's it's very difficult for a position player to to make that jump like both these guys were at Dunedin this year and uh, I think they'll start off at the at uh at double A next year at New Hampshire and uh you know, I, I would still think they're a year away. Uh, you don't want to rush. You don't want to rush a player and, uh, and ruin them. But uh, I think uh, I think that's certainly the way to go. You know, I was uh, the way to go is uh, the way the Yankees did with uh, strength up the middle, like Posada and uh, Jeter and Bernie Williams. They were all homegrown guys and. Uh, and you added homegrown guys like uh, Andy Pettit and uh, Mariano Rivera to the mix, and uh, you know they would. Uh, other owners would um, tease tease Steinbrenner at the meetings, the owners' meetings, about having um, having spent on a big free agent, and he would he would just say he would start to rhyme off all uh, the homegrown guys that he had, you know. So that's that's the way to go. Like Guerrero is a third baseman, is not up the middle, but. Uh, He's certainly uh, to everyone you talk to uh, uh, the number one stud, and if it's not the number in uh, in the Florida State League, it's uh, it's Bichette. So they they're they're in a good they're in a good place. <clears throat> now, 2019 is where you you have him set for, right? 
That's what I would think. Yeah, I would think it'd be a bit of a rush to have them here next year. Now, Guerrero uh, carries an interesting birth certificate. He was born in Montreal. Does he play for Canada? Yes, he can play for Canada during in the WBC. Yeah. So when would he declare that, or that would be before before the time, right? Um, well, let me think. Uh, they had it last spring, so it'd be. Uh, 2021, so he could play for Canada. Yeah. Well, we'll certainly hope to see that, Bob. I know that you've been uh, you've been following uh, the uh, Canada Under 18 team, and uh, they've had uh, an interesting uh, interesting couple of weeks. Uh, uh, they beat Japan, and they're in a bronze medal game with Japan, if I understand. Tell us a little bit about that tournament and uh, what you're seeing developing coming up through the Canadian baseball minor ranks. Well, they're ranked. Uh, we as a country are ranked uh, number ten, and uh, they uh, they upset Japan uh, three days ago, six uh, four. Uh, big big victory. Uh, Noah Naylor from Mississauga played a big role in it. Uh, scored a uh, tying run with a, an expert slide at, at the plate. But uh, the thing is, they're doing that well, and they're they're missing their their leadoff hitter uh, Cooper Davis, who. Uh, uh, another Mississauga boy. He uh, he's going to Vanderbilt, and the Vanderbilt uh, professors uh, told him he couldn't take the time off school to go to this. And uh, the number three hitter, the shortstop Adam Hall from London, he uh, he signed. He got about uh, 1.4 million from the Orioles. He signed. He played about three games, and he got hurt. So he they're, they're they don't have everybody there. So. Uh, I think I think they're uh, representing the country very well. Talking about, uh, it's not a topic we get to talk about very often on the show, and since we have you on, Bob, we'd like to take advantage of it. Uh, the state of minor baseball in Canada, and uh, are 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 we developing players uh, at a at a more rapid? Uh, perhaps that's not the right choice of words, but. Uh, just your general comments on on minor baseball in Canada and its growth. Well, the registration uh, coast to coast is is up uh, from um, last year and uh, the two years uh, the success of the Blue Jays. So that's <clears throat> excuse me. That's that's uh, they they deserve a lot of credit for that. But uh, the developing, I think, I think a lot of credit goes to these indoor uh, hitting facilities like. Uh, um, like there's one in Etobicoke, um, the Pro Teach, and there's uh, um, uh, the Baseball Zone in Mississauga, and uh, the Ontario Blue Jays one, the Matrix, and uh, another one in Mississauga, and there's uh, the, all these academies in Alberta and uh, BC. So I, I think uh, I think there's good coaching, and uh, and I think the there's a lot of. I remember being in one of those indoor facilities two or three years ago during a snowstorm, and uh, and the guy, uh, the guy said, "You see that guy there?" I said, "Which one?" He said, "The guy in the red shirt." And I said, "Yeah." He said, "He walked here today in the snowstorm." You know, like that's that's the kind of desire and uh, and uh, uh, passion that the, the kids have nowadays. And and the registration is so up. In fact, that last year I was told that they had to. They had to turn kids away for diamonds because um, they 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 roll on a two-year cycle, so um, they couldn't they couldn't get enough uh, diamond space. The, the adults had the had the diamonds over them, 
most of the players who were coming from Vancouver and um, the Toronto area before. Now, are they coming from all over now, Bob? Uh, I would say I would say they're coming from BC, Alberta, um, the Ontario, uh, and uh, and Quebec. Yeah, yeah. The Maritimes is a little bit uh, a little bit behind. Yeah. We're talking to Bob Elliott. Bob, uh, you're the founder and editor in chief of the Canadian Baseball Network, uh, which is an interesting interesting concept. Uh, tell us a little bit about the Canadian Baseball Network, uh, how people can find it, and what, uh, what you're hoping to accomplish with it. Well, uh, we, just, uh, we just write about Canadian kids and um, the, the Blue Jays, and uh, we, uh, you know, like, uh, this, is a, this is a big deal. This, that, that's one of the, knocking off the number one team, Japan, that's a big deal. Uh, you know, or the, the Dunedin won the, the, the Florida State League, the, the share of the Florida State League the other night. It was canceled, the final was, because of Hurricane Irma. But, uh, you know, there was a kid from Markham on the team, uh, Jordan Romano, and, uh, and another, another boy from Etobicoke, Connor Panis. So uh, we wrote about that, those, those players as well. And we, keep, we track all the players in the minor leagues. Uh, there's over 100. And, and all the players uh, going to getting uh, part of their scholarship paid for. Uh, I think there's almost 800, uh, which is more than more than uh, the number on hockey scholarships. So we just, uh, I don't know, it just started as a hobby, and now that I retired, uh, I kind of spend more time at it. Too much time, in fact, <laughs> according to my my wife. Yeah. That's okay, Bob Connor. Uh, he had a couple of home runs in the final game, didn't he? Yes, he, he he's did, a, yeah. He's uh, what is his, what is his development curve now? Uh, he's he's considered a prospect. Yeah, he uh, he had a solo home run in the in the second inning, and then another one in the seventh to tie the score, and then uh, then they uh, they won it in the ninth. They they lost the first game of the best of three series, and then uh, and then they had to go to Tampa to to play. Game two and then game three, if necessary, and they won game two. Uh, Romano pitched, and then uh, then they won game three uh, late. Have they ever had uh, two prospects like that in in the system, Guerrero and uh, Bichette? No, I don't think they have. No, I don't think they have. But you'd have to go back. Uh, I was uh, Delgado and Green, maybe. Well. Maybe, but they. I don't think that Delgado and Green. They were and Gonzalez was was the, considered one of the. But I don't think they were they were considered. Um, how would I say it? As uh, high. They were. If throughout baseball, yeah. they weren't recognized as as high, you know, or maybe the accent wasn't wasn't placed on prospects as much back then. But I can remember going to Syracuse and writing about Gonzalez and and Green and Delgado, but but. This, these guys, like, there's a story on Guerrero was one for four last night. He was three for four. You know, like, maybe it's just the world we live in or what, but uh, it's it's certainly changed compared to the way the way it used to be. You know, like, they, they, they're recognized a lot more now than they used to be. Uh, we're talking to Bob Elliott. Bob, we won't keep you much longer, and uh, we do want to take advantage of... Uh, your uh, your expertise and certainly you're following uh, Canadian baseball through your Canadian baseball network. If you were to identify one or two young Canadian 
baseball players that you think may be uh, stars or uh, superstars in in uh, Major League Baseball at some point in time? Who would you uh, who would you identify? Well, there's uh, Tristan Pompey, who uh, who was a third team All American at Kentucky uh, last year. He'll be eligible for the draft in June. He's uh, Dalton Pompey's uh, younger brother, and then. Uh, uh, Noah Naylor, that's uh, playing in that bronze medal game in Thunder Bay today. He's uh, the brother of uh, the brother of Josh Naylor, who went in the first round and um, got a lot of money, uh, two million dollars from the Marlins. I think he went 12th overall. So uh, they both could go first round come June, which is uh, which would be. Uh, it's been a long time since uh, Canada had two first rounders. We've been talking to Bob. Any last words, Bob? Ness? I just want to ask you. I don't know if you if you followed the the Leafs' plan and how they rebuilt their team. The uh, Leafs? Yeah, the Leafs. How no, they rebuilt I'm, uh, their team? I think I'm a, I'm a unique Canadian. <laughs> I, I'm not a hockey. Player. Okay, yeah. Well, they, okay. I'll explain to you. They they went out and rebuilt their team. And they went young. Can you do that? Rebuild it in baseball the same way? Can you have all young players or not? Um. Yeah, you can. You could do that, but you'd have to finish uh, last. And like Oakland did. Like Oakland had. Uh, I think they had. Uh, the top four, uh, or the, the number one draft pick, or the second draft pick, uh, four years in a row. They were they were at the bottom of the tank for yeah for four years. I think yeah you could do that. Our, our position players are easier as take a shorter time to get to the uh, M, to the big leagues. Am I correct or not? No, I think pitchers take a shorter. But, time. but pitchers are um, harder to read in scouting, right? Uh, sometimes, yeah, sometimes, but, but I think like you've got these guys, like you've got these guys that'll make, making the big legs now that are, that, that are showing 98 miles an hour. There's not a lot to be taught, but, <laughs> but, but as a, as a position player, you know, you bring and talk about Guerrero, the third baseman, you, he, he just can't just go up there. He's got to do more than throw 98 miles an hour or, or hit a 98 mile an hour. He's got to, you know, learn how to field the ball or where to throw it and et cetera, you know, the cutoffs and all these things. You know, I, I think it's more difficult for a, for a position player to, to make it. Now, the reason why I was asking is because there's a lot of young guys playing in the league now. Not like before, they were a lot older. There's guys yeah, you're older. right. Yeah, and that, that's why I was asking that question, if, it, if, it, if they're going to be going after position players instead of pitchers. But you're, you're telling me that uh, pitchers can get there quicker. Though. I think position players can get there quicker. Anyways, we've been talking to Bob Elliott. Uh, Bob, uh, you've been uh, uh, kind with us with your time. We appreciate, obviously, uh, obviously talking your baseball expertise and your passion. And uh, all we can say on behalf of is Naz is thank you so much for joining us. Sure. Anytime, guys. Thanks very much. Thanks, appreciate Bob. it. Bob thank Elliott. Uh, Bob, of course, uh, if there isn't anybody more prominent in baseball journalism in Canada, I can't think of them. So I think Bob deservedly has that title uh has been a great writer on all things baseball and uh, passionate and what, what shows through more with bob than anything else it's just not it's never been just a job it's he's passionate about baseball and not just about professional baseball about yeah, he uh, knows his stuff about sure. amateur baseball and canadian baseball and uh to all our listeners if you're if you are passionate about baseball and canadian baseball check out uh, his his site, he's an editor-in-chief, and he's the founder of the Canadian Baseball Network. Time for our second break. We'll be right back shortly.
It was a rainy day when Pizzaville realised that people may not know how many different kinds of ponzos Pizzaville makes. You can go Italian if you like a sausage. You can go Hawaiian if you like ham and pineapple. And you can go Canadian if you like bacon, beer and hockey. We can build a ponzo that speaks your language. No matter where you are from. Call Pizzaville at 736-3636 or visit pizzaville.ca. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics. On time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. From face-offs to playoffs, field goals to own goals, you're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. We're pleased to welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour Lance Hornby. Lance, of course, writer for Toronto Sun and Post Media Network. Good morning, Lance. How are you? I'm very good, and sorry to make you guys uh, wait. I was a little uh, tardy getting back to you on the phone today. Well, my guess is you were out late last night celebrating the uh, Toronto Wolfpack victory. That's probably why you were in late this morning. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I've been to many of those bars around there uh, in the <laughs> village, but I've, I've yet to actually get inside the doors uh, to see the Wolfpack, and I, well, uh, I think I've missed my chance. But, uh, I, you know what? Uh, a wonderful concept that they uh, came up with, and any time Toronto can have a championship team, uh, more power to them. Well, they shut down King Street last night. I thought they shut it down for the Wolfpack victory, but they unfortunately they corrected me and they told me they shut it down for the film festival. So uh. yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's always a, an interesting time trying to get anywhere in the West End. Uh, you know, I've been actually at the Toronto uh, Maple Leaf rookie camp uh, in the general area of the X, and uh, it's been. Uh, been pretty hard to get down to uh, Rico, although some uh, fans are coming down to see what the uh, what the the Leafs of uh, tomorrow may look like. Tell us what the Leafs of tomorrow look like, Lance. I know you've been down at the rookie camp, and there's one particular Leaf of tomorrow that I'm interested in, and I'd like to hear you report back from. That is, of course, the uh, the Swedish kid that was drafted first overall. I I have yet to learn how to pronounce his last name. It's Lilligren or something close to that, Lilligren. but. Liljegren, you're, you're you're pretty close. Uh, Liljegren, okay. Hopefully, I hopefully over the course of the next few years that name will be firmly implanted, and I won't have problems <laughs> pronouncing it. But uh, tell us your overall assessment of the uh, Leaf rookies and this particular uh, kid as well. 
Well, well, I guess getting back to the original point, uh, you know, uh, tomorrow is here today, of course, and you saw that last year with Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and, and all the young kids. So this is a tough act to follow for some of these uh, these guys who've come in uh, behind them. Uh, you know what? Uh, they It's not like the old days. Uh, a lot of these kids who are in this tournament uh, have been hanging around uh, since uh, late July, really, at the club's uh, practice facility in the West End and uh, they've uh, putting some of that to, to use. It's a different tournament this year. There's one less team. There's only Montreal and Ottawa here so there's uh, not uh, three games in three nights which uh, was proving to be a little bit uh, harder on these kids coming out of the summer so they're getting a better chance to uh, get some practice in and uh, you know skill development is as big as uh, the games themselves. But uh, Lil Jagrin, uh, you know, had a bit of a rough start the other night. Uh, the first game against Montreal a 5-2 loss. Uh, he is still adjusting to a smaller ice uh, he had a little bit of that at the World Junior uh, Showcase in Plymouth, Michigan. That was really his first, uh, you know, earliest exposure to that. Uh, so he has a little bit to go, but, you know, you saw flashes of it. There was a, a third-period power play where he was uh, doing uh, some pretty good work, uh, you know, remind you a bit of uh, Thomas Caberlet uh, organizing that leaf power play from, from the back end. I think he can bring a lot. Uh, the other Swede to uh, to watch uh, is Carl Grunstrom, who's played uh, a little bit with the Marlies in the playoffs last year. Uh, his situation is he must return to Sweden if he doesn't make the Leafs, but uh, he's a hard-nosed winger. I think uh, he's a bit of a dark horse. Lance, how many spots are open on this team? It doesn't look like too many. No, no, not for sure. I mean, if you, you know, let's just take uh, Liljegren, for example, uh, maybe uh, six, seven, eight on defense if the Leafs uh, carry that many might be the only one. And that, again, depends if Martin Marincin, uh, who's obviously, uh, you know, someone that uh, Mike Babcock has a, has a soft spot for. If he comes back, then really you're just fighting over uh, scraps for uh, for seven and eight. And uh, really goes back to the old argument. You don't want a young player uh, taking that spot because he's not going to play a lot. And uh, if it's, uh, say, a Travis Thurmond or an Andrew Nielsen, who are two very young uh Toronto Marlies, who've uh, who had a wonderful uh, rookie season in the AHL last year, and they're being talked up as possibly challenging for that job, as well as two f- Swedish free agents they brought in, uh, Callie Rosen and Andreas Borgman. Uh, it's it's a logjam for a position that really should go to a you know maybe a, a veteran, maybe a, a Marincin might be the ideal guy to be the seventh or eighth guy, and maybe plug one of these kids in a top six. So unless they really impress when Leaf Camp opens next week and you see them in exhibition games, I don't think you'll see any movement there. And otherwise, uh, you know, to your point, it, really the top three lines are locked up, and it really depends on what the Leafs do with the fourth line. Do they want a sniper in? Uh, and Kasperi Kapanen uh, coming back there, uh, you know, is uh, uh, Nikita Soshnikov, who got hurt towards the end of the year and sort of fell off the radar, is he going to come back? Or might uh, one of the, the Marley uh, forwards uh, who's here, or uh, a guy like uh, Vito Altonen, who's a Finnish player, also a free agent in the camp. So there's two or three uh, spots that may be open at forward, but they're all going to be fourth line or uh, really just, uh, you know, spare forward, utility forward type guys. Talking to Lance Hornby. Uh, Lance, uh People are starting to get excited. It's uh, September. Evenings are getting a little bit cooler. The minor hockey, GTHL's ramping up. Uh, kids are back in the rinks. And we're all, Naz is counting down the days to the day of the season. He announces it on Facebook every morning, how many days to the first <laughs> first game of the season. Uh, so it, hockey is becoming the discussion again. And my two big questions at this point in time, and I'll throw it to you, Lance, uh, where does Patrick Marlowe fit in on this team? And who are going to be Austin Matthews' line mates? Well, that may be one question in the same. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess on paper, uh, Mike Babcock, I guess we'll get into this a little bit uh, next week. He's uh, 
you know, about the only thing he's hinted at is that maybe he'd like Ron Hainsey to be uh, Morgan Riley's partner on defense. The forward line is a, is very uh, interesting. Um, all the uh, the big uh, players whom I've talked to at the summer skates in the last couple of weeks, uh, they claim to be in the dark. They're not sure who is going to uh, play with whom. But uh, I think you you can't. Uh, not look past Austin Matthews as, as Patrick Marlowe's winger. I mean, you have a, uh, a proven scorer uh, for all that Zach Hyman does for uh, Matthews. Uh, you know, last year, a fellow rookie, great chemistry with him on and off the ice. Uh, he dug a lot of pucks out and allowed Matthews to uh, to have the success he did. I don't think you pay all that money to uh, Patrick Marlowe and, uh, and, and drop him in the batting order. I think you uh, would put those two together with William Nylander, and uh, that would be pretty effective line only because uh, Mitch Marner had so much success with James Van Riemsdyk and uh, Tyler Bozak on the so-called second line and then of course you have uh, Nazem Kadri uh, centering uh, Connor Brown and maybe Zach Hyman and that would be a fun line to watch I think could really get under some uh, some skin of the opposition. The goaltending uh, seems to be solid with Anderson um, what happens when if an injury occurs? Are we confident enough for our backup goalie? And is, well, it, is it, and is the problem all of the NHL is like that? Their number one goalie is gets hurt, they're in trouble. Yeah, well, you know what? Uh, so much science goes in now to picking up, uh, you know, picking up a good uh, backup goalie who number one is going to have a good uh, chemistry with the number, uh, you know, with the number one and not uh, resent the playing time. It, it's always, uh, you know, a, a perfect situation rarely presents itself where uh, either injury doesn't interfere or you have a you know a so-called number two who wants to be a number one and is uh, you know is uh, creating some kind of uh, controversy in that uh, in that respect I think the Leafs are well served as long as as you point out uh, Frederick Anderson stays healthy I mean he's a he made such a difference last year, and you look at uh, how other goalies came in and, and, and made bad leaf teams, playoff teams. I'm talking about Curtis Joseph, Felix Potvin, uh, you know, Eddie Belfour, that kind of uh, impact that uh, that uh, Anderson has had. Curtis McElhinney was brought back. He seems to be the uh, the, the perfect tonic for that. He knows uh, his role. He knows that he's going to uh, play a lot of those difficult back-to-back situations when the team uh, is maybe a little tired. But also, uh, you know, your point is well taken. You know, should anything happen to Anderson, I don't think the Leafs have very much ready now. I mean, they have two promising backups at the Marlies and Garrett Sparks and Casimir Cascasuo, but uh, I'd be interested to see them, uh, you know, run with McElhinney as their number one if they had to, and I'm sure uh, they hope that situation does not arise. We're talking to Lance Hornby. Lance Hornby, of course, uh, with the Toronto Sun and Post Media. Lance, uh, I know you've been working on a couple of projects, and uh, we, certainly uh, the, the uh, publishing date is getting closer and closer, from what I understand. It is your new book coming out, Toronto and the Maple Leafs. I've read a review on it. It's a five-star review, and you answer the question. Why I does my family to stop uh, sending in those uh, <laughs> under anonymous names? So. Why you answer the question? Why does this city hold this team in such reverence? Well, uh, you know tell what? us, tell us, tell us about your uh, the the publishing date and what we can expect in the book. Okay, well, it's the, the book, as you say, is called Toronto and the Maple Leafs by ECW uh, Publishing here in uh, here in Toronto, a fine Canadian company, and of course the. Uh, have a, a forward by uh, Ron Ellis, and I, I guess Ron gets into it a little bit in the forward. Uh, you know, a, a guy who uh, who's grew up in a Leaf family, so to speak. Uh, you know, his dad a big fan who played for the Marlies, and Ron played for the Marlies, and subsequently uh, 
the Maple Leafs played a thousand games. Uh, you know, it's just the the culture that got in the city uh, going way back to the uh, the Irish. Uh, immigrants and uh, the founding of the team under the uh, Toronto St. Patrick's uh, banner after the Toronto arenas, of course, in 1917, but uh, a huge immigrant population. It, it sort of began with the Irish, but now you see uh, so many different uh, faces uh, around the uh, around the city with leaf sweaters on and that, uh, you know, I have uh, Mayor John Tory speaking to that. Um, and it's essentially uh, how, you know, in, in World War II, a lot of people were together and, uh, you know, there was no uh, was no television, just radio, and there were no any other, uh, you know, outside of maybe the Toronto Argonauts, any other strong uh, Toronto sports franchise. And the Maple Leafs brought a lot of people together, uh, both home and away during the war years. And, of course, uh, you know, winning breeds a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of legacy, and uh, Toronto won all those cups in the 1940s, not so many in the 50s, of course, but then you had the development of Hockey Night in Canada and then their great success in the 1960s. And I think that's what lingers today. Uh, you know, the, the Leafs uh, have not won a cup, of course, in uh, in going on 51 years, but they uh, remain because of the strong influence of all those uh, people in, uh, you know, who, who were, you know, listening to Foster Hewitt and that and uh, grew up to, uh, grew up around a hockey team that uh, had a great record, uh, you know, lived right, as Mike Babcock might say, and uh, that legacy continues today. Lance, we were talking about uh, sports radio in uh, the previous segment, uh, the first segment of the show, and we brought up, I brought up where I uh, listened to sports, and then it was Dick Beddows who was involved with the Leafs as a broadcaster. He had a show called Hockey Hotline. What are your recollections of Dick Beddows? And- <laughs> <laughs> You know what, uh, uh, Lance? I, I, you only have two minutes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, you know what, I uh, I, I listened and watched uh, when when he was on. Of course, he had those flamboyant uh, suits. I'm sure everyone uh, <laughs> and the hat. You know, and, and the hat, and not just a great uh, broadcaster, but a wonderful writer as well uh, in the Globe and Mail. And uh, I was, uh, you know, I was sort of uh, transfixed by him, and I. I, I feel very lucky that one of my first couple of years in the lease he was still there and uh, you know he was great he remembered my name and that it was such a thrill to hear from him but uh, in the book actually I talk about the whole sports radio uh, phenomenon in Toronto and uh, I talked to a couple of people in your business uh, you know how, how they can talk people off the roof when the Leafs are doing uh, poorly <laughs> and uh, how they try to keep it on the rails when uh, you know when it looks like the Leafs are going to make the playoffs so uh, it's uh, you know as I say multifaceted uh, very interesting relationship the city has with its team. Lance, we've we've got a minute left with you. Uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I I think you uh, in your email to me said you had another project going on with Mike Wilson. Yes, Mike Wilson, the ultimate Leafs fan, a good uh, friend of the Nazimwali yeah. Sports Hour. Go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Very much uh, uh, had a, a great time uh, doing a book with Mike on his fantastic. Leaf collection. It's actually uh, part of it's now in Ottawa at the National Museum of History. But uh, Mike has uh, over 2,000 items, all relating to the Maple Leafs, uh, in a in a private museum that he's sort of now uh, getting to uh, share with the public through the National Museum. And if if you're a Leaf fan who likes uh, anything from uh, you know an old uh, contract from uh, Punch Imlac where uh, people were you know getting paid uh, nickels and dimes to uh, old seats from Maple Leaf Gardens sweaters from the 1920s. Mike has it and everything in his collection must have a story and he has some amazing tales. Anyways, I, I, I want to go back on, on that book and we'll talk about it another time. It's a fantastic book. I got, I got a couple of copies of it and in the book it's got a, it's got a, a Dave Keon uh, sweater at one point and I actually got it personally autographed by Dave. It's, if you're a Leaf fan, it's a great book. We've been talking to Lance Hornby. Toronto and the Maple Leafs, a book coming out. When's it coming out, Mike? Uh, first uh, week in October. Oh, sorry, Lance, sorry. First week in October, and the other book uh, is, of course, out. You can find it at Indigo or online. 
Lance, you know how much we appreciate this. Uh, uh, all I can say is it's going to be a great season. Go Leafs go. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. Take care, Lance. That, of course, was Lance Hornbeat. Really quick last word, Ness. Uh, I remember Dick Bettles signing off, and he would say, thank you and good night. <laughs> Anyways, I'll, I, I can't beat that, so I'll just say to our listeners, have a fantastic week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.